Good morning. We have a special day here at Mount Juliet. Uh, it's Scholarship Sunday. We are blessed to have several of our young men from our congregation that have chosen to devote their college career to the study of God's Word and His ministry. It's not just in the classroom. All are already serving. Uh, I've gone on mission trips, interned, and preached at various different churches. And each of our services today, you'll hear from these young men. Now, we have many other young men and women who continually give service to grow God's kingdom that you won't see up here today. And as a church, we need to continue to pray for and encourage all of our young Christians. But our elders have made the decision to support the college students that are Bible majors by paying a portion of their tuition. And this day is devoted to hearing from the ones that receive those scholarships. Now, if you don't know these guys, I hope you'll take the time to introduce yourself and get to know them. And also, please continue to pray for each one of our young men as they prepare to become leaders in the church. Thank you. Be reading from the book of Psalm, chapter 62, verses 1 and 2. If you wish to follow in the Bibles in the pew, it would be page 512, chapter 62, verses 1 and 2. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Good morning. I appreciate all of you being here this morning. Um, I just want to take a couple minutes before I speak to you to thank you for your support and your encouragement. Um, I know you, you may hear that a lot and you're not really sure what that means or how, how far that goes, but um, I've received stuff in the mail from people in this congregation uh, from wonderfully written notes, uh, two boxes that had, you know, candy and uh, pens and pencils and sticky notes that would actually come in handy for tests and things like that. So uh, even your little acts of kindness go a long way, but just thinking about this congregation and the memories here, um, I remember being you know, a junior in high school and uh, James Beckham and Jeff Brown would take us out to these small congregations where we could preach and we'd be scared to death. Uh, but by the time we left there, we were really encouraged and uplifted. Um, and opportunities like that, that, that you have given your time and, and your efforts uh, that, those go so far and they've helped us so much uh, so I want to say from the bottom of my heart thank you to those of you who make an effort to be a mentor uh, or, or a, just a good Christian example to those of us who are wanting to devote our lives to ministry um, I really do appreciate you this morning and I'm glad you're here if you will uh, go ahead and open up to Psalm chapter 62 that's where our text will come from today uh, before we begin if you will let's go to God in prayer though our Father in heaven, we're thankful that you woke us up for another day. We're thankful that we could be here to study your word and to sing songs of praise. We ask that uh, we will be an encouragement to one another, that we'll be able to learn from one another, but also to learn from your written word. We're so thankful for your son and for his sacrifice and that we could commemorate it together. And we ask that each day we have together will be a blessing in our lives and a blessing to your kingdom in the long run. Help us to see that you truly are our refuge and our shelter and our strength in this world. And we pray that we will never miss an opportunity to acknowledge you for that. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Appalachian Trail stretches 2,184 miles from Georgia all the way to Maine. 
A couple summers ago, I had an opportunity to hike uh, various sections of the Appalachian Trail. Now, as you can tell, I'm not the most muscular, burly, uh, fit guy that you've ever seen. So some of it was kind of a challenge for me. Um, but the guy that I was hiking with was probably up in his upper 60s. He's, he's an older man, but he, uh, he, he loves to mountain bike, he loves to hike, he loves to swim. He's one of those just really active older guys. Uh, we took a, a day hike, uh, about eight or nine mile section of the Appalachian Trail in Virginia. It was a beautiful day, it was kind of hot, uh, but he was just kind of showing me the ropes of, of what he does and uh, explaining to me these different, these people called through hikers that will hike the whole entire trail and they'll take, you know, six, seven, however long it is, however many months off of work, off of school uh, to devote their life to hiking this trail. It was amazing. Some of them will carry their tents on their backs or they'll carry, uh, you know, no tent at all and just sleep out in the elements. But occasionally along the trail, there are these places called shelters. Uh, it's usually about eight to 10 feet high and it's a three walled little shelter wooden box uh, and you can just go inside and sleep in there and it keeps you warm and dry because um, if I was you know doing this doing a hike this time of the year I wouldn't want to be uh, out in the snow I probably wouldn't know what I was doing because I'm kind of a backyard camping guy you know I'll sleep in a tent but I'm not ready for the Appalachian Trail like that uh, but I saw these shelters and I was just amazed that no one uh, really had to fund the building of this shelter I found out that no one really had to fund the upkeep of this trail, that it was all done by those who were hikers themselves. So it's almost like a little community. And someone was thoughtful enough to take their resources and to take their time and to build a shelter somewhere along the way for these people who devote their time and their energy and their bodies to hiking this wonderful trail. And I started to think... Uh, you know, I've been doing some study in the Psalms when I was thinking about what I wanted to speak about. I read Psalm 62, and I see God as that selfless person, that selfless being who created a way for us to be safe in this world, a way for us to find comfort and warmth and security. Uh, and I can't help but be in awe when I consider that that God who created the universe is the same God that wants a relationship with us today. So I want us to look briefly uh, from Psalm 62, and it's really neat how you can break the passage down uh, into, into three sections. I know that's kind of a preacher sounding thing, uh, but when you really look at it, it does break down into three sections, and, and it adds some clarity to the text, and we're able to see how God is really uh, our refuge. Let's look at the first four verses, beginning in Psalm 62 and verse 1. My soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold, and I shall not be shaken greatly. How long will you assail a man? How long will you murder all of you? Like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence. They have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. These four verses... Uh, may not make a whole lot of sense at first until you put them into a context that we could understand. Maybe you've had someone who intentionally wanted you belittled. They wanted you harmed. They wanted you to feel broken. Uh, I haven't lived a very long time. 21 years is not very long. <laughs> but 
Even in the last couple of years, I've noticed a change in popular television, in media. I've noticed a change in different workplace environments and agendas that people try to push. Christianity itself is not very popular anymore. It's not very popular to have a set of values that can be found in God. And it's a little bit heartbreaking. But the first thing I can see from these four verses that that apply to us today is that people want to break you. You may not have an arch rival out there, but there are obviously people who want to, to break you down and to bring you down to their level. I think about what Micah said in Micah 7, beginning in verse 2, that the godly person has perished from the land, that there are no upright persons among men, that all of them lie in wait for bloodshed, each of them hunts the other with a net. Concerning evil, both hands do it well. And the prince asks and the judge for a bribe, and the great man speaks the desires of his soul. So they weave it together. The best of them is like a briar, and the most upright is like a thorn hedge. The day when you post your watchman, your punishment will come. Then their confusion will occur. Do not trust in a neighbor. Do not have confidence in a friend. From her who lies in your bosom, guard your lips. For son treats father contemptuously. Daughter rises up against mother. Daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies are the men of his own household. It's kind of sad, but the divisions that we see in society and even in in our own homes today... Culture is pulling us so many different directions. Our wants and desires, those things that we dedicate our lives to and we don't even know that we do, they're temporary. But they want a grip on our life. I remember hearing, uh, you know, that this year's Super Bowl halftime show, someone said that they were going to have a wedding uh, for gays at the halftime show. Of course, it didn't happen, but... You know, the fact that we talk about those kind of things and those things are so commonplace. I didn't see the Grammys, but apparently whatever happened at the Grammys this year was atrocious. Uh, I'm not really big into watching television. But it's difficult to turn on the television and find anything that's wholesome, anything that's good. How often do you have friends and neighbors who who try to pull you away from those things that you know that are right? It's not going to be wrong for you to do this, to, to... live this way, to take a drink of this, to take a puff of that. You don't need to fill out this form. You, you don't need to, to tell them how much you're making at work. It's okay to fudge and to cheat a little bit. These things that don't seem like a big deal to us that add up in the long run, uh, it's, it's kind of sad. And so our interests are divided. Do we want to be a part of this world or do we want to be separate and setting a good example uh, for Christ. I think about 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. And this has some uh, similarities to what we see in Matthew 5 when Jesus talks in the Sermon on the Mount. 1 Peter 3 and 8. To sum up, all of you be harmonious and sympathetic, be brotherly, kind hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Maybe someone wants to test your patience. And they want to see exactly how you're going to react. They might expect you to snap back. They might expect you to say something uh, evil or offensive back. But the very uh, foundation of Christianity is not 
to, to go along with that, but to return a blessing instead. To be harmonious and sympathetic and kind-hearted and humble in spirit. Uh, you could even go back, um, I don't know if many of you are sports fans, but we recently watched a documentary uh, on the 1992 Olympic basketball team, the Dream Team. And to see those guys play together and the connection they had, but also to see the, the humility they had on the court. They were doing amazing things. And it's hard to watch a basketball game now without a guy making a shot and beating his chest and getting all pumped up and excited about himself. When I think about someone who is humble and has a spirit that resembles Christ, no matter what we do in this world, it's selfless. And people will try to, to get us to put hope and trust in ourselves, to live for ourselves, to make our own decisions. That's not what God intended. He intended for us to live with the Spirit of Christ. I consider another psalm, uh, just a couple of pages over from where we are in Psalm chapter 17. This again goes back to, the, to that enemy. Psalm chapter 17 beginning in verse 8. Keep me as the apple of the eye and hide me in the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who despoil me, my deadly enemies who surround me. They've closed their unfeeling heart and with their mouth they speak proudly. They've now surrounded us in our steps and they set their eyes to cast us down to the ground. He, the enemy, is like a lion that is eager to tear and as a young lion lurking in his hiding place. We may not even see it, right? I mean, uh, you know, if you've ever hunted, you don't see a 10-point buck and run out there with a kitchen knife trying to stab him. <laughs> you sneak up. You wear camouflage. You try to blend in and do exactly the things that the deer wouldn't expect. In the same way, uh, our enemy, the devil, he's not going to come after us in things that we don't want he's going to come after us in a form that's appealing to us he's going to come in the form of people who want to influence us to do worldly things and live in worldly ways and speak as the world does but inwardly he's like that lion the same thing is said about him in first peter 5 in verse 8 be sober of spirit be on the alert and your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour but in verse 9 it says to resist him and be firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences or sufferings are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you for his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So today you may have a little bit of trouble seeing where someone wants to break you down, someone wants to challenge you. But just spend some time in reflection. What kind of worldly things are you devoting your time and your energy to? Things that divide your attention from God, from your family. Are you starting to see trends even in your own household and the things that you approve and the, the way that you speak? Are they becoming more like the world? I can honestly say that even as a student of ministry at Freed Hardeman University, there are things about my life that have changed and become more worldly. And I never thought it would be that way, but it's up to me to see a passage like this and, and to wake up and to see that if I take refuge in God and in God's way, 
I'll be back on that path that is godly. And that's what we see back in Psalm 62, beginning in verse 5. David says, My soul wait in silence only for God, for my hope is from Him. He alone is my rock and salvation and my stronghold. It's that same word for shelter or refuge. I shall not be shaken. On God my salvation and my glory rest. In the rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before Him. God is a refuge for us. There are some who take pride in living for themselves and living for their own means because that doesn't mean they're attached to a God. They can live the way that they choose and they please and there are no repercussions. I personally think it's more wonderful that I have a reason for the hope that is in me. I have a reason to wake up and to be joyful. Even on a rainy day like this. Some people are staggering, having trouble to get out of bed today, but we can wake up and know that we're one day closer to eternity and that we're serving the Lord with His people. Look at Psalm 20 and verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. They've bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood upright. Save, O Lord, and may the King answer us in the day that we call. There's so many verses that talk specifically about God being a refuge and a stronghold and so many, so many that we probably couldn't look at all of them this morning. Psalm 46 and verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Or I even love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 4. You know, he goes on to talk about the, the tent, the earthly tent that we have and how one day that's going to be torn down, but we have an eternal dwelling which is in the heavens, not made with hands. And in verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 5, he said, and Indeed, while we were in this tent, we groaned, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. People can say and people can do things to try to harm us, but really, if our foundation is in God, there's nothing that can get to us, nothing that can cut us. Remember what Jesus said in John 10, that not only was he the good shepherd, but he was the sheepfold himself, literally. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. We see that in John 14 as well. I don't know about you, it's just, it's really neat and it's, uh, refreshing to know that we have this confidence in God, this eternal confidence. Not only do we see that we have enemies and we see that they want us, not only do we see that we have safety in God, but really we see that He puts things in perspective. Beginning in verse 9 of Psalm 62, David says, Men of low degree are only vanity, and men of rancor a lie. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than breath. Do not trust in oppression and do not vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. And loving kindness is yours, O Lord, for you recompense a man according to his works. Sometimes you may have trouble finding something in the scriptures to read. You're not really sure where to start. If you really want to put things in perspective, start in Ecclesiastes. And see how a man who asked for wisdom gained wisdom and riches. And how those riches were put in perspective uh, along with God. 
Men of low degree are vanity and men of high rank are a lie. They're the same thing. It doesn't matter. You could have a PhD in rocket science or you could flip burgers at Wendy's. In the end, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. It doesn't matter uh, how many home runs you hit in T-ball. In the end, it doesn't matter. All that matters is, were you faithful to God? Were you able to find refuge in Him? Did you listen to those voices and those agendas and plans that are progressively moving us away from our Christian principles? Or did you find refuge and shelter in God in the time when you needed it most? I call your attention back to that passage in Micah chapter 7. Of course, there's not a whole lot we can know about some of these writers. But just if you read a little bit of Micah, you can tell he had kind of an excited tone. You know, in Micah 7, we talked a little bit about how he, he explained that the godly person has perished, similar to what we see in Jeremiah 5, Exodus 28, excuse me, Genesis 28, that uh, it's difficult to find someone who is righteous and who is godly at this time. But look at this personal victory he sees, how God has put things in perspective for him. But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation and my God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. And though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I've sinned against Him. And until He pleads my case and executes justice for me, He will bring, a, he will bring me out to the light. And I will see His righteousness. And right here in verse 10, we see really where, where the heart of His message lies. Then my enemy will see, and shame will cover her who said to me, Where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look on her, and at the time she will be trampled like a mire of the streets. It may have been embarrassing to be a prophet of God. To speak a message that nobody really cared about. It may be embarrassing sometimes to go to public school and to talk about things of Christ. It shouldn't be that way, but let's face it, we live in a real world. Sometimes it's difficult to talk about our faith. Sometimes we're used to being embarrassed. We're used to having to be quiet. But I see a personal victory in Micah that I saw when Jesus died on the cross. At that time, those who scorned Jesus and those who crucified Jesus saw after His death that truly He was the Son of God. In the same way also, we can find a personal victory when we've taken refuge in God. The little book of Obadiah is so insightful. Um, he talks about the Edomites, beginning in verse 2. It's only one chapter. I'll just read this briefly. Behold, I'll make you small among the nations. You're greatly despised, and the arrogance of your heart has deceived you. Ye who live in the clefts of the rocks and in the lofty places of your dwelling, who say in your heart, who can bring me down to this earth? Though you build high like the eagle, though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. God could even take the greatest dynasties, the greatest kingdoms, and bring them to their knees. It's all about perspective. Christianity's good and it's going well until someone comes along and tempts you. Until someone comes along and presents you an opportunity to fall to forsake someone, to lie. 
And it may seem small and insignificant at the time, but it'll add up. And before long, you'll look back and say, where is that shelter and where is that refuge? The message is simple. And you probably didn't even need me up here for you to know this. Some of this you probably already knew. It's amazing how God's word speaks for itself. And today it is spoken. Who knows what tomorrow is going to look like, what the next four years is going to look like. What we're going to be learning in our schools. What we're going to be uh, doing and wearing at work. <laughs> what kind of friends we're going to have. It's, it's a scary time. Imagine those Christians in Rome who didn't know when they woke up whether, they, whether or not they would go to sleep that night. Persecution has been around. Jesus said it best himself in Matthew 5 that in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, that we were to rejoice and be glad. Brethren, today we have a refuge in God that we can proclaim his message, that we can live his principles out and that we can set an example that will make a difference for His eternal kingdom. So my challenge for you is to learn from this psalm that God is our refuge, that there are those who are against us, and ultimately God puts all things into a perspective. So this morning, we ask that if you've never become a Christian and you want to learn what it means to become a Christian, you can do so today. Or maybe you've gotten so far away that you've lost sight of where that shelter is. I would hate to be stranded on that Appalachian Trail with a foot of snow and no tent and no direction. But to look ahead and to see that shelter and say, finally, there's somewhere that I can stay. Today, you have that opportunity to find shelter in the Lord. Whatever you need this morning, won't you come?